Hey guys, this is Chris, and I'm joined here with Roth. Hello. Welcome to Keeping It Real. Now, Jim is out at CinemaCon getting all the scoop on all kinds of crazy nonsense um, that we call the entertainment, well, the movie industry, really. The movie industry, and he's going to come back with amazing news, we Oodles. imagine. Oodles, Oodles of, of noodles. noodles. So we said, screw you, why do you need news this <laughs> week? Well, we're going to give you so much news next week. Yeah, so um, this is going to be a special edition of the podcast. I mean, it's it's it, it's a, an edition of the podcast, yeah. but um, rather than doing the regular format, uh, we decided we were going to do a couple special guests this week. So we have some very special guests. Yes, we do. Who do we have, Roth? We, dude, this is what's so cool about this podcast, and I'm not even kidding. It's so, what a weird but oddly perfect mashup. We have Cheech and Chong, followed by none other than Rob Zombie himself. Which so is like, like that is the best like <laughs> aw- most awesome non sequitur in terms of uh, podcast guests yeah. that you could have. Rob Zombie obviously has um, uh, the Lords of Salem coming yes. out that's in coming, theaters that's out today. Today, today, and um, as well since tomorrow is four twenty, mm-hmm. we have uh, <laughs> Cheech and Chong in and, honor of them. And they're talking about their Cheech and Chong's animated movie, which is basically their stand up from the seventies, yeah. um, and that's been. It's got a layer of animation to it. So if you know what R- Ricky Gervais's show looks yeah, like. Yeah, that's, that's what I would liken it to. It's the, similar to that. Similar to um, that. We're talking about the R- Ricky Gervais show on HBO where they took his podcasts and animated them. Also, by the way, that is a hilarious program. Yeah, and, and it's that show, but if you had more weed references and body crabs <laughs> and poop. So we're not going to tell you what state <laughs> of mind you should watch this podcast in. No, we are not. At all. I, w- I did want to I did want to bring Watch, up one listen I did want to bring up one topic and yeah. uh, oh, okay. and you know like we're not going to get into box office numbers as Jim and I anyway as as usual I think I was horribly wrong um, but I did want to bring up one topic and that is the Man of Steel trailer um, and uh, you know just maybe talk about that for a couple minutes because. That is so near and dear to everybody, and I think it's yeah. the biggest trailer that happened this week. So, it was what'd you massive. Think? I loved it. I loved it. Also, I just want to tell you guys that Joey, who is our comics editor, did this amazing piece this week called "What Superman Means to Us," and I think and like awesome. a bunch of people on the staff contributed, including myself. Chris failed us by not contributing. Damn it! Oh, damn it! But <laughs> but so I'm gonna throw that on you in a minute. But it's great. You should check it out. I loved the trailer i really did i mean i really loved those first two teasers and um, with i think the idea of the the, f- the parental the dads the patriarchy and the two sort of visions of that and how that that makes him who he is clark kent slash well what's great about the piece that joey put together is that it, it does actually kind of embody and uh it sort of embrace the things that superman is represents mm-hmm. and you know I think we get we get caught up in this image of Superman as this just primary colors and he's one thing. But mm-hmm. Superman as a character, um, I have often said he's a he's a too perfect character. Yeah. But I think you know, especially after reading this piece and kind of like considering how I actually think about Superman, I think he is more of he's more complex. He's he's definitely somebody who has a very a very sort of good moral compass. He right. he is a person who will do right when no one is looking. He is a person who, you know, always strives for that ideal. Um and and even though he's not uh you know, human per se, it's kind of like the end of Star Trek uh too. 
Mm-hmm. Um, you know, where Jim is talking about Spock and he said, you know, in all my travels, I've never met anyone or human. More human. Yeah. I <laughs> but mean, that's... I, I think that's kind of what I, li- I, that's what I like about the character, you know? And I also, I mean, I said this in my piece, what I like about it is that it's the idea that being extraordinary is a matter of perspective. You know yeah. what I mean? Like if he was on his home planet, I'm sure he'd still be special, um, uh, person, entity, um, but Kryptonian, but he, he, it's, it's the context. And I think that's, what's cool because he, he chose his alter ego to be as ordinary, as unassuming as possible, um, for obvious reasons. To, to, whoa, because, sorry. Whoa. sorry. And we're going to do a little freestyle rap at this Kicking point. Them. But I mean, I think that's just like a really good lesson for all of us. I feel like we're all extraordinary in some settings and ordinary and, and many from speaking for myself and most, <laughs> you know, but you're extraordinary in the karaoke setting, right? In the karaoke setting, I <laughs> kick everyone's massive ass. Yeah, I mean, I think that this is a character that still does have value, and I think that it's nice. It speaks to something that, that maybe we're not quite as cynical in this moment as we have been for for a period of time. Here's what I love. Here's what I love. I love that we live in an era now where superhero movies are doing things that make sense they're doing. They're making the characters make sense for our times, mm-hmm. and they're not doing it in a cheesy way. Like it, it would be it. It would be such a. It could have been really cheesy to be like the S stands for hope, yeah. but it didn't come off as cheesy. It didn't. And since Amy Adams in that scene is taking the perspective of us as humanity, it it just everything about that trailer rung true for me. Yeah. And and I'm just really really excited to see that unfold. And also Henry Cavill. How awesome does he look as Superman? He looks great. I mean, I actually was fine with the casting initially. I thought it was great. I know some people were resistant to a lot of the casting. Well, I, I thought um, he was perfect for that. Yeah, but like so did seeing I. him in the suit and on screen, I think he's just the Superman that we need right now. But so. this is the he is the Superman that we need right now. <laughs> um, I think it looks great. I think you're right. I think that it has the a more modern aesthetic. I think it's nice that it's managing to balance bringing this into a sense of reality to it without getting cynical, without it being about a character. That that he's not he's not a dark ter- tormented character he is a character that is struggling to reconcile his identity right. which is a little split and a character that's struggling to figure out a way to do the right thing and he doesn't really know all the time what that is which i think is an interesting character you know and but the moment that really got me in that trailer is when he's a little boy and he says, can you just still keep pretending you're my dad? Yeah. And the response is, I am your dad. I, I'm not going <laughs> to lie, folks. I, Eric heard me. Like, I was going to choke up a little bit in that moment. <laughs> and there's something really beautiful, I think. And I think they did the brilliant thing in this film is to focus on the father-son storylines, yeah. both of his fathers, um, and and how that that is about his identity and making him you know, sort of unifying those two sides of himself, these two fathers, these two influences in his life. The other thing I love, love, love is that it does not look like the Superman movies we've seen before. It yeah. is a different movie. I mean, he's basically like a fugitive because he wants to he wants to help, but he doesn't want to be conspicuous, you know? He's an alien. And I think it's, you know, it's an extraterrestrial story, which yeah. I also love. So I, I'm really stoked based on that trailer. But we have interviews to get to. We have so. awesome interviews that are about to come up in three, two, one. Welcome back to Keeping It Real, you guys. We have two very special guests here with us. Chris, would you like to make the special announcement? 
It is none other than Cheech and Chong. Thanks thank for joining us. Thank you. Thank you. Please. <laughs> Please sit down, sit down. Please. Awesome. So no more standing you guys, ovations. You, you guys have, we're revisiting some of your classic comedy. Mm -hmm. Is yes. that right? Can you yes. talk about, so you have an animated film that's sort of, it's animating some of your classic comedy albums. Well, what we did, uh, you see, the, the originals were on a thing called records. <laughs> <laughs> Albums. I don't know what you're talking They're like, about. I know. Like Frisbees. Yeah. <laughs> They're black. black, and they got a hole in the center, and they put them on a thing called a phonograph player. Well, uh, since, well, you don't even know what we're talking about. So I we do. So what we had to do, we had to transfer the, the records onto uh, a visual uh, art form called? Uh, animated. <laughs> yeah. The visual art form called what like cartoons. Yeah. Did you guys kind of come up with this conceit, or did someone present it to you? Uh, we were presented to us. Yeah. yeah. Okay. They were they were going through the garbage, and they found these <laughs> albums, <laughs> and they said the Chambers Brothers, and they said, "Why can, can do you mind if we animated these?" And Cheech and I both said, said "Yeah, sure. Why give us some money. Well, how much will it cost us? <laughs> Nothing. We pay you. I'll do ten of them." <laughs> <laughs> Well, you're going to start with the one. Is that right? Yeah. Uh -huh. Okay. So, have you guys seen any of this? Was it? Yeah. 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 What, what kind of? What's the? What's the style of the animation? Are you? Are you happy with it? Is it fun to revisit? Oh, this? Yeah, yeah. Two thumbs up. <laughs> right up there. Yeah. Right uh, up there. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, the the animation style is, gro is groovy. They, you know, I like that they took these <laughs> these two stoner characters and uh, yeah, more animation than they had in real life, actually. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, they uh, they really what they've done they've immortalized us. Yeah. Now we we'll never grow old. Now. <laughs> yeah. We'll always have hair. Yeah. And <laughs> we'll uh, always be younger. Younger and a lot of energy. Lot of energy. So it's you know and being inducted into 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 the uh, animated world opens a whole new uh, world for us. You know. Kind of animated worms. <laughs> well, there, but that's true, you know. Mm -hmm. I mean, now you can talk about, there's, Ricky Gervais has the TV series on HBO where they animate his podcast. I mean, there's limitless possibilities. Does yes. anybody uh -huh. talk to you guys about that? Uh, not yet, but they will after this comes out <laughs> yeah. over the world. Yeah, yeah. as soon as as soon as we sell a few hundred million dollars worth of business, you yeah, know, yeah. everybody will be talking to us. Well, we're with Fox, and they've, they're looking for a replacement for The Simpsons. Yeah. And so the stoner. <laughs> da, da, da. We could be the I would watch. I would watch that. I think. Yeah. yeah. Really. Nonstop. We yeah. would all watch that. I mean, you're. That's one thing, though. You're. You know, that humor came so much out of the time period. Uh -huh. Yeah. Is there's it? no stoners now. Oh no, I know. <laughs> I certainly don't. It's all going away. Any of them. It's all gone. <laughs> Was it funny though, or interesting to kind of listen to that now, like about just about hippies and the hippie culture and that kind of thing? Well, these were two like street guys, so they weren't really hippies who were like during that generation but you know yeah. they were street guys well we had we had the uh, premiere last night and we had lowriders drive us from the parking lot up to the green carpet event nice. and i realized there's very little lowriders around anymore right. and went back when we did the re the records and that there was a lot of lowriders. Yeah. So the, these are the new rides, lowriders, and they, they didn't know who he was, <laughs> and they're driving him. <laughs> yeah, this is the car set up for uh, Chong as soon as he gets here. I know your fans really want another live-action movie, though. Sure. And there's all there's always circulating rumors. Yeah. Is there going to be another episode? No, they're going to have to deal with the animation. <laughs> 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 you know, I like the straight-up <laughs> answer. You're like, yeah, no. Yeah. 
absolutely nah. not. No, because we, we, we left him wanting more. Yeah. And we don't want to ruin it. <laughs> so so uh, we're going to really promote our animated. Uh, because everything's in the animation, you know. Mm -hmm. uh, and when people come to see it, you can get as it's high. It's amazing how sophisticated those tracks were. Very atmospheric because we did them in the studios. And so there's a lot of layers, a lot of sound effects, a lot of uh, uh, putting you into the scene. Well, just a minute. Studios is where uh, we used to go to record records. <laughs> I mean, you don't see many studios anymore. No. Yeah. In fact, they're going. They're they're gone. You can. They're for them rent. The gramophone. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. They don't play them. So no, it's it's very exciting to get into the animated field. Yeah. Do you guys, I just, I, I'm kind of curious though, do you think there's anybody today that's kind of like hitting, I mean, it's really funny to hear you talk about this is when we made records and things like that. The things today, what would you make fun of today in today's world? Uh, the fact that they don't have records. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And the they're doing that, it. I mean, yeah. <laughs> we make fun of the fact that 12 year old kids are getting carpal syndrome in their thumbs. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Isn't that always been the case? Coming back. Vinyl, people are playing vinyl for, you know. And we make fun of people uh, texting and walking into traffic. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. There's lots there's lots to laugh at. I've almost seen that. I've seen somebody almost get annihilated while texting. I was like, oh, yeah. well, wow. I th I, I'm on this campaign to stop texting while driving because I want to equate it to drunk driving because yeah. the effect is exactly the same. When you're texting while driving, it's like you're drunk driving. Yeah. You cross the, the highway, boom, head-on collisions. Uh, well, I had, I had an experience when they first had the car phone. I was on the car phone, and I'm driving, and next thing I know, I'm in a construction area. <laughs> <laughs> I missed a sign that said, do not enter. And I was in my jumping, boom, boom, boom. I, 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 on the phone, I said, listen, I'll call you back, okay? <laughs> I'm in the middle of a, a no, no driving zone. I remember when car phones were like the height of luxury. It was yeah. like you had a car phone. They were like walkie-talkies. Yeah, like Warzone walkie-talkies. <laughs> <laughs> it's huge. Just well, I like plastic. watching Seinfeld because every once in a while he'll, yeah. uh, he'll be on a big old car phone. <laughs> I know, and it's massive. And that's not that long ago. Oh. No. Yeah. Uh -huh. So do you think, I mean, if it if this did continue, I mean, because it is going to take over the world, and you were to do, like, an animated series, would you then record new content? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Stuff, yeah, yeah. So we could look forward to some And, and the great thing is that there's so many Cheech sound-alikes and Chong sound-alikes. Yeah, by now. And we can just sit up in our castles and go, oh, that, I like that one. <laughs> <laughs> I would love that you have an army of clones out there. That yeah, you just, they yeah. make them do all your work. That's, yeah, that's, like, that's, that's it's like, like here. Yeah, exactly, exactly. <laughs> we are an army of we are an army of clones. It's true. Do you get, can you just pick out sort of one moment that you're that you were especially excited by in looking at the film, or or something that kind of was a high point for you that reminded you of something you loved in in that portion of your career? Uh, of the animated yeah, yeah, world, yeah. for me, uh, putting our our bits are scattered. There are scattered bits into one featured movie by using a, a little character called Le Montpion or Buster the Body Crab. He was a character for one of our, of our yeah. bits. And, and, and he just strung all these bits together and it was like magic. Yeah. What was yours? Uh, uh, the same. <laughs> <laughs> the 
same. La Morpion. <laughs> we were, we're actually, we were in Montreal. I think the first time we went to Montreal. And we used to record on the road. We, could, we were nonstop recording and touring, so we could never come home to actually go in a proper studio. So wherever we were, we'd either get a studio there or in the hotel room, and then we'd record. So we were in Montreal, and we were put in this really nice studio, and uh, yeah, we're here in Montreal. Let's do a French-Canadian bit. And so we did this French-Canadian, uh, uh, La Montpion, Buster the Body Crab, and he's being interviewed. And, and, and there's two Canadians. Yeah, yeah. And, and I'm a Canadian anyway. So yeah. so the big Canadian thing is no matter what the guy says, the Canadian guy goes, uh, hey. <laughs> <laughs> and and together we just come up with this La Montpion. And then years later, we use the little guy. He comes to life as a character in our movie. In fact, he might have his own series. He might have his own own podcast, too. (laughs) Because he's a body crab, and he starts off in the movie. Have you seen the movie? You haven't seen the movie? I haven't seen it yet. We actually just got it 15 minutes before you came. He he starts off in the the pubic hair of this beautiful redhead. (laughs) (laughs) As all good things do. And it's real close up. <laughs> so it's incredible. I mean, so that's my favorite part. That it's close undercover up. in underwear. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, we can't say to, we cannot wait to see it. Thank you guys so much for coming in and Our talking pressure. with us today. Thank All you. All right. And thanks for giving me the mic that doesn't work. <laughs> I know. We're, we're, I'm pretty sure that the only person that we're going to be able to hear is me. So. Uh, well, that's good. That was good. Tell people where they can find your wonderful work. Uh, it, it's going to open for one or two days in theaters, selected theaters around the country. And then it, uh, you can get it on the DVD uh, anywhere the DVDs are available. Okay. Uh, I- iTunes. iTunes. And iTunes. Amazon. Amazon. Oh, Amazon nice. and uh, yeah, and on Blu-ray and, as well. And the thing Blu-ray. is, it, it, you know, we're going to use a lot of our money that we make off this uh, DVD to feed hungry children. Yeah, awesome. Most but, of them belong to us. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. but they're hungry. Yeah, they're hungry. <laughs> so we want everybody to buy, buy, buy. They like steak, Cheech and Chong. <laughs> Cheech hungry and greedy. I like these kids. <laughs> <laughs> and and they need to buy video games too. Right. Yes, they do. Yeah. Yes, so 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 we need. To ha- we need a lot of income coming in off the animation to help promote the video game industry. <laughs> and we need to see the new video game, the Cheech and Chong video game, I think. Oh, That's yeah. what I'm thinking. That's the next That's stop. That's the next step. All right. Okay, we so will put links to everything. Thanks so much, guys. Thank you. <laughs> yeah, so Cheech and Chong on Keeping It Real. What is even <laughs> happening in the studio today? I this love is a crazy week. Yeah, I love that that occurred. I, I love that that occurred. Just have to say, the little, the little like twelve-year-old uh, in me was so stoked <laughs> to I talk to those guys. Well, I just want to say for the record, if anybody is looking at the pod, if you're looking at the podcast page, you will see that there is a photograph with one Chris Carl and Cheech and Chong. Guess who's missing from that photograph? <laughs> uh oh. <laughs> oh no. <laughs> I'm not in the photograph, but that's okay because they were. It's okay because you know what. I have audio evidence that I met them. You do, <laughs> you do, and, uh, and yeah, awesome guys, awesome guys. So I mean, much fun. I love that. Uh, uh, well, I mean, I, you kind of always you have these the sense of like when you before you meet somebody who's going to be awesome and who's maybe going to be like maybe more of a diva. And I was like, these guys are going to be awesome. They're going to be super fun to talk to, and and they they really are the the genuine article. Yeah, so. they are. And I want to point out um, that there's also going to be Chris did an interview with them. 
that will be running as well, separately, a video interview, and they're going to appear in the final, and it, I, it's breaking our hearts to say this, but this will be the final episode of Free Shit. Yeah. So watch that. That should, by the time, uh, uh, well, you should see, I, I mean, this might go up first, but, uh, but yeah, check it out. Um, free Shit coming to an end. Coming to an end, and way to go out with a bang, but <laughs> we're not done yet. No, no, no. no. Oh, you no. thought we were. But here comes the next big, big... Do we want to tease? Well, we already said who it is. Yeah. So you know who it is. Yeah. <laughs> it's Rob Zombie. It's Rob Zombie. <laughs> All right. Well, get ready. And here comes Rob Zombie. All right, guys, welcome back to Keeping It Real. We have another very, very, very special guest with us right now. It is one Mr. Rob Zombie. What up? What up? <laughs> I love Tom. <laughs> In the house. You have a movie coming out. We just chat. You guys, we are going to have a longer form interview with Rob Zombie that you can check out on IGN. But we'll talk a little bit. You have a movie coming out today. Day. Today, finally, thank God. <laughs> right, <laughs> the nineteenth. And we're the last stop I heard on your publicity Are we the tour. Very last. I don't believe that. <laughs> They're telling me that, but I don't believe that because I already saw my calendar and it said tentative interviews for Monday. <laughs> <laughs> so I think they meant the last stop today. <laughs> this That's movie awesome. is called The Lords of Salem. And just give us a quick. Do you have a? Do you have it nailed down to a two-sentence kind of overview? Not really. <laughs> Would you like the long rambling? Uh, Pitch that makes no sense. The really long sentence yeah. interview. I'm that. the worst guy to pitch a movie. I probably I, I, when I'm done, they're probably just like, I don't know what he just said. Just give him the money and get him out of my office. Um, essentially, in a nutshell, it's about a situation that took place in old timey Salem, 1697, during the Salem witch trials, where we all know, you know, a bunch of innocent people were murdered. But my idea is that perhaps some not so innocent people were put to death secretly who were witches and perhaps they put a curse on Salem to return one day to do something then we jump to modern day Salem and crazy stuff unfolds I can't find a way to describe the movie without ruining all the plot points that's no, I think I thought yeah. that was you know that's trying really to be kind of elusive but it's yeah. been good because the movie played last night for the first time there was like a 10 o'clock screening or midnight or something and People are like, oh, man, it was so cool because I didn't know anything about it. Because it's really hard to protect anything in a movie anymore. Because right. mm. I think the fans are on their quest to know everything are sort of unknowingly on a quest to ruin it for themselves at the same right. time. Yeah, we struggle with that, too. Like, uh, as fans of movies, you know, it's our job to sort of give people the news. Yeah. And it's like, at some point, I don't want all this news. Like, mm -hmm. I want to go and see something pretty fresh. But it's just not the way people consume things anymore. No, it sucks because, I mean, I know this sounds like... I rode my dinosaur in to tell this story, but I remember when I would go see something like Close Encounters, I saw the shot of the road and some light coming up, and I go, okay, I'm in. I didn't even know <laughs> right. what it was about. I, oh, aliens? I don't know. Even like Star Wars, I remember me and my brother wandering in to see it, and we didn't even, it had just come out, we're like, what's Star Wars? Let's check that out. And like, well, of course, within two seconds, we're like, holy shit, <laughs> what is this movie? But, you know, it was, it was such a good feeling to know nothing about anything. Yeah. Now it's, yeah. Now it's impossible. It's it's very rare. I saw Shallow Grave that way. I don't know if you know that movie, yeah. the Wales movie. And it was awesome. It's It remains, I love Danny Boyle, but that remains my favorite movie of his. And maybe it's because I saw it yeah. that Yeah. I, I notice more sometimes on Netflix. Like, we'll just, oh, let's right. just get, and we, we put it on, and I like watching something going, I don't even know if this is a comedy. Is this right. a drama? I don't, you know, it just unfolds, and you kind of just go with it. And 
Kinda I've seen cool. a lot of good movies that way. I used to actually walk into record stores and I would just go around the record store and you know you get that thing where you, when, when you're in a store and you're confronted with all the selections that it's just like it becomes overwhelming it and is you overwhelming. get nothing. Well, sometimes I would just go in and and like the first thing that grabbed me I would just get regardless yeah. of genre or whatever. And I was like, "Oh yeah, this looks awesome. It was maybe album art or something." Um and that's actually a great way to discover music because it is. It, That's how I remember doing it too as a kid. Because like you'd go and you'd see the like you know, there was no way to find out what something was. Like oh, what's this album? Cool cover. Now nah, I'll just get it. Right. And sometimes I wouldn't like it, but then I since I spent my money on it and uh, you know, <laughs> I would just keep listening to it. And then eventually I go, wow, this record's rad, even though it wasn't what I thought. You know, and that's how most of the things that I like I discovered just by like, hmm, Kiss. This looks neat. Wonder who they are. You know, just check it out. I'm wondering if, like, VOD might be, like, and you said Netflix, like, whether that might be the new discovery kind of platform for I people. I think so. I, ho I hope so, because, you know, this thing of, like, knowing so much, I mean, because I, I, you'll notice online, I'm sure you guys do, where, like, people start putting all these opinions, and then they'll sort of drop at the end of their rant, well, I haven't actually seen it yet. Yeah. <laughs> wow, so, you sure have yeah. formed some strong opinions about something you haven't seen yet or heard yeah. yet. Oh, we deal with that, yes. yeah. Sure <laughs> I'm totally, you know, I'm totally down for somebody disliking something I like and having a healthy discussion oh, yeah. about it. Even something I am participating in, it's cool if you're respectful. If you're not respectful, that's a different thing. But, like, don't have an opinion about something you haven't seen or know anything about. You know? Yeah, I mean, I, the, the, the biggest thing that if we want to steer the conversation in that direction, sure. the biggest thing that bums me out is I remember when I was a fan of stuff, there didn't seem to be any hostility. Mm -hmm. Like me right. and my friends would just s loved everything. We're like, oh, cool, you know, let's go see the black hole, rad, you know, let's go see, you know, whatever this that that movie. And sometimes we like more movies than others, or more comic books more than others. But we weren't like angry about things. <laughs> you just were like, meh, it was all right. But now it seems like it's changed. It's like uh, people want to dislike things and they want to really be venomous about it when they dislike it. I never felt like that about things. I never, I, you felt like such a, maybe it's because it feels like there's a community online, but as a kid, I felt so isolated that I was like, thank God. Yeah. Somebody likes something I kind of like and here's here it is and we can at least sort of vibe on it. Yeah. I think it's, it's, it's just, you know, whatever the internet's given a megaphone to bad attitudes and it's also anonymous. I mean, even people have talked about it before, but I think that's part of it. Also, it's the emoticon. I blame the emoticon. <laughs> <laughs> it makes people, I'm serious. I feel like people started writing online and in order to express emotion, they got more adamant and then they started to think that they really were that adamant. <laughs> Does that make sense? Yeah. yeah. I think what's, what's weirdest for me is like, like say, if you love Star Wars and you're on a Star Wars website and you're pissing and moaning about something, I get it because you're like a super fan, so you have super views. But when people are on someone's website or blog of something they don't like, who's got time to go to things they don't <laughs> like to explain? Right. You know, like, let's all go to the new kids on the block website <laughs> and set them straight. Who who's even thinking about it or whatever? They, yeah, we I talked about that all Justin the Bieber. Let's go set them straight. Like, we talked about that all the that's time. That's what I don't get. Why don't you take the time that you're going with that negativity and go create something else that is contributing? Um, now, yeah. Do they really sit back and go, hmm, I think I'm going to go set Hugh Jackman straight <laughs> on how I feel about him today. Here's what I what, thought about your, Australia. What's, yeah. what's your experience been sort of with, with the fan base and your own fan base or, or horror fans in general? Well, there's two. I mean, you have a you so you probably have a music fan base. You have a ho you have your film fan base. There's a lot of crossover. Yeah. I mean, for sure, with you know hard rock and, and horror, that's a pretty you know 
synonymous fan base. I mean, it, it's cool. I mean, what I've found is is that those fan bases are, have two things in common, really. One is that neither of those two forms of entertainment get an ounce of respect from mainstream entertainment. Right. It doesn't matter if... And I found that out several ways where, like, you know, say the Grammys for music. Like, they, you know, you can have a metal record that sold 10 million copies and they present the Grammy off camera like, here's your Grammy, get lost. <laughs> but then they'll give a Grammy on camera to the best spoken word album that may have sold 700 copies. And they're like, here we go. Right. You're like, this is keep that one band kept the doors open for that record company. But you want to treat them like <laughs> a dirty little secret. Same thing with horror movies. It was like when Halloween came out and it was number one, it was like, you know, broke a box office record that it still holds. I thought like, oh, yeah, but it's still like, yeah, okay. We don't want to talk about that. Yeah. Like it was just so weird. Like the, the, and the companies that start in horror build the entire company on the backs of horror franchises. As soon as they get above it, they're done. Mm -hmm. It's like, it's really weird. It's like both things like get, make all the money that keep the doors and lights on, but they get shoved aside like the dirty little secret. And it, yeah, and I, well, I think the, the and the fans too. The interesting factor these days, I think, is that you do have these things that have cost relatively little and broken big, you know, things like paranormal activity yeah. and, and, and stuff like that, I guess, following on Blair Witch from way back. But um, it, the interesting thing is, like, they aren't necessarily sinking more budget into them. It's more like they have this idea of, oh, hey, look, we can do this always for $2 million and make $80 yeah. million. Exactly right. Like, in fact, I think that, you know, it sounds like a horrible thing to say, but, like, a movie like Paranormal Activity this has nothing to do with the, the actual content of the movie. Like, the movie worked, and it was great, and everyone loved it. But because that was so successful, now nobody wants to make a horror movie that goes over a million dollars. Like, right. the budgets are down to zero. And that works if your whole movie is shot on security cameras, and it's supposed to be, you know, whatever, found footage. But that just means the death of having any kind of production value or anything for that genre. I mean, they're just... And that's the way they treat it. They go, crank it out. We don't give a crap. That's the thing that frustrates me. It's like they don't even care about the movie at all, the producers, because they know, well, we'll just rape and pillage opening weekend, right. make all of our money back, done. Yeah. Okay. And they just, you know, so it's kind of sad because everybody will always go, oh, the great movies like The Shining or Rosemary's Baby or The Exorcist. But those were A-level pictures with A-level actors and A-level budgets. I mean, probably the last 50 horror movies that came out shooting schedule combined didn't equal how long it took to make The Shining. Right. You know what I mean? Yeah. You know, I bet we shot Lords of Salem in the time that Kubrick shot one scene in The Shining. Exactly. Literally. You know, and, and that's why you can't, you know, the the, the quality suffers because you can't, exp you know, you, like you can't go into a studio and, well, we used to make a record in eight months. Can you make it in two days and expect that somehow you're going to yeah. shit out Sergeant Pepper in two days. <laughs> well, <laughs> right. Chris was talking about this earlier. You, we were all talking about this earlier. There is some really cool sort of visual imagery, especially towards the, we won't say what's happening, right. but the final sequence of the film. I was wondering what, we didn't talk about this earlier, but what were some of your influences for that? Mm. Well, Carrie Russell, as you said. <laughs> <laughs> that was the we'll, greatest we'll thing I've heard. We'll discuss that later. Yeah. <laughs> no, I mean, it was, it was hard to find. I mean, I what I wanted to do had... So, I couldn't find a lot of movies that sort of had the vibe because sometimes you you don't ever want to 
copy other movies. That's not the goal. But sometimes you have the idea in your head, and the only way to express it to your cinematographer or your set designer is to show them something concrete because they can't read your mind. So, you know, I was sort of like, well, if it's the vibe of a movie like The Tenant where, like, the building sort of becomes a character in a way, but sort of with the grandness of anything from, you know, The Shining to 2001, the Kubrick grandness of, right. of things with, you know... But the sort of like insanity of a you know Ken Russell movie, where like oh my god, like the trippy scenes in Altered States or the Devils or Tommy or anything, right. it was sort of all that together. Then almost with the sort of Italian sensibility of pacing, you know whether it's Argento or Fulci or something, where it's like you almost go like, I like the way those guys make movies where it's like they don't even where does this make sense? They don't even seem concerned with the fact <laughs> that you just fall into this weird rhythm of the movie and. Because American movies are all about, it has to make sense, it has to make sense. Don't confuse anybody. And I thought I want to vary from that for this film. I love the I, I love the pacing. I was actually talking about it um, earlier. There, I, I like that you let a character walk across the screen. It's not like it's yeah. not like hey, we got to cut and get to the destination. It's like hey, maybe she's gonna go down through the building <laughs> and walk on the street, and you're gonna see all of it. And yeah. it, it gave me this really '70s feel when I was watching it. I actually like what I I. If anything, when I watch the movie, I wish I had paced it even slower sometimes because there is a sense that when you, we were cutting it, me and the editor, we were talking about it last night, you know, everyone's like, oh, my God, oh, my God. And even though you don't have to listen to them, if everyone's acting like impatient, it fucks with your head because you think, oh, oh, is it too slow? But I thought, like, shit, we could have even let it breathe more because that's where things start feeling weird. Yeah. Because you're just like, this is making me uncomfortable how long this is. Well, you're like, forced to think about out. You're actually forced to think about how you think about movies in that way, I mm-hmm. think, because I, I, I experienced this with um, with uh, the Ty West movie House of the Devil, where yeah. it's actually ninety eight percent, you know, sort of build and then that payoff. So I think that's an interesting way to look at it, is like that pace. I like, yeah, and and my, you know, Kubrick is like, you know, I mean, obviously considered like the genius, and I I love his movies, but what I feel that he does in all of his movies is like he dictates like your rhythm like movies now are made like okay we know audiences like this so we're gonna do it just like this we're gonna cut it just like this everyone's gonna talk like this it's gonna move like this but he's like i don't give a crap what the audience wants barry Lyndon is gonna unfold like this right and you are gonna fall in line or 2001 is gonna be like this like you become he controls you when you watch it and that's and that's why when you walk out of it you feel like i've never seen anything that was maybe it drives some people crazy because they can't handle it because it's probably too intense because some people want movies to just be fluff i don't want to think about i hate when people say that i don't want to have to think about it like they just want like (laughs) fluffy entertainment but but for the rest of us who want to walk out of a movie and think like holy shit man i never been through something like that before (laughs) or just to think about the art of cinema period you know whether you like it or not it's if a movie actually makes you consider it or you're thinking about it later yeah um i I think there's been movies where i've walked out and thought like i don't even know if i like that movie but it was pretty brilliant Right. And I may not even have enjoyed it, you know. But it was, yeah, the man, the man on my earrings, David Lynch. I think he definitely <laughs> yeah, had that quality where it's, for sure. you know, it's sort of dreamlike. And I mean, I think that some art is that way. There's surrealistic art where it's meant to evoke. Um, exactly. Like, can you say that you really enjoyed Eraserhead? Did you have a great time watching <laughs> Eraserhead? But there's something. But it's such a special film, and it and it's you know it's it's a, just a different way. I mean, this stuff kind of. Uh, goes without saying, like, in other countries. Like, when Lords was playing in Europe, they were just like, oh, yeah, yeah, Like, they just, yeah, that's a cinema, whatever. It's over here that it's a little more, like, 
Although there is a resurgence of horror. I mean, there is kind of a resurgence of horror on television, oddly enough. I mean, I think you're right. I think in film it is a little bit reverting to a formula now of of, uh, found footage. Well, that is weird. It's like most TV shows have bigger budgets than the movies. I mean, one episode of Game of Thrones was probably ten times the budget of our movie. Wow. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah, it's a funny crazy. thing. Do you want to, would you ever want to tackle sort of a huge budget film? Yes and no. Only if it could be something where you could make it something special. But I feel like a lot of times it just goes without saying. And I understand this to a point. If you're investing $100 million into the movie and then another $100 million in marketing, they want that money back. And in order to make back $200 million, you got to make a movie that, everyone's going to like from grandma to little Jimmy. <laughs> and I don't know if I have the sensibility to, to figure out what everybody in the family likes. You think grandma would like at. this movie? I, <laughs> I think a lot of grandmas would like this movie. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> but then again, I don't know. I, I feel like sometimes I don't know what pe- about it because I feel the studios have got it in their heads so much that the, the movie-going public are idiots. Right. So they dumb it down in advance for you. But when I do talk to people, it seems like People are more film savvy. Just the average person's more film savvy now because of Netflix and stuff, and have seen more movies than twenty years ago. The average person would have seen, and seem they seem just in general a lot smarter than the studios would give them credit for. I can be really cynical about it because you know something will open really huge. Like, then I'm just like, how? You know, some like broad comedy that's it just that's looks terrible. so horrible to me. And I, I, you know, I guess I'm bad in that. I'm not going to see it and judge it, but like. Yeah, you know, when something like Scary Movie comes out, and, you know, the last one didn't perform all, but the one before it did 50 million opening weekend. Yeah. And it's like, wow, you know, like that's what people want. And you get that in your head, and I think that it becomes like a thing that you keep thinking about. I think it's kind of like, you know, it becomes like that's all they see. Right. It's, you know, people can only go, they can only buy or do what they see. And if you, if you go to the multiplex and is like, Scary movie, whatever, whatever movie, you know, I don't want to badmouth any particular movie, on like taking up all the screens and there's no other theater. You go, oh, I guess we'll see that. You're not certainly not going to drive around all night searching for the little <laughs> art house to find right. some movie that you never heard of. It's just kind of like, you know, what are you going to go when you walk, you know, here's McDonald's, Burger King, blah, 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 blah. You're not going to find some little salad on a side street. <laughs> I'm going to eat that salad. I mean, people just generally consume what's. I mean, you know, they spend millions and millions and millions of dollars jamming it down your throat. And I think there also becomes a thing, too, that they want to create that feeling that, like, if you don't go, you're not going to be in the know on Monday at work when everyone else is talking about the Avengers. So get out there. You know, it creates that paranoia of, like, you won't know what's going on. But yeah, I don't know. Well, we know you, you, you've had a late night. You had your how – did, how did it go? How did the premiere go? It was great. You know, it was a great premiere and a fun party afterwards and – yeah, it was a good time. <laughs> you're pretty tired. The I'm a little, little movie spent. The is now open. It is in theaters, so people should go check so, it out. Yeah, so don't hold me accountable for anything I rambled about in my <laughs> half-conscious I state. You, I hold nobody accountable <laughs> for anything ever. That is my MO. Thank you. <laughs> Every moment is a new beginning. Ignore this interview. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks so much for coming in. Thanks for having me. Yep. Thanks a lot, guys, for listening to Keeping It Real. Um, we'll be back next week with Jim, and we'll talk about CinemaCon, and we'll talk about all kinds of trailer nonsense and and uh, Superman in tights and Superman in tights. And Jim will stuff. keep us on, on. Jim will break out the whip. Yeah, he's going to keep a tight ship, so we're not going to be, you know, 
wandering around and talking 70s film aesthetics and shit like that. <laughs> We're not going to be going all over that? the place. That it's was awesome. Be, it's going to be back to uh, to to Black Panther and, and Guardians of the Galaxy and stuff like that. So thank you so much for uh, listening. I was kidding, by the way. I just want to say legitimately that conversation with Rob Zombie was awesome i totally agree i love i, I love 70s film but um yeah he, I, I love rob zombie's perspective on fandom and yeah. i just i think um you know he's he's got like the true sort of indie spirit yeah. of filmmaker and i love that so and it's so rare these days so that yeah. was a total pleasure really fun to talk about filmmaking from that perspective and to talk about yeah fandom and sort of the changes that the internet has wrought but i mean i think there's positives too you know yeah. you're able to connect to a lot more people in your community and and so forth and so, I mean, I think the internet has brought people together, but, but yeah, let's, let's keep it nice out there, guys. Let's keep it nice. And, uh, you know and what Will Wheaton says? What is, what is Will Wheaton say? one simple rule. Don't be a dick. Don't be a dick. Don't yeah. be a dick. That's a good, that's a good rule to live by. So thanks a lot for listening and, uh, we'll be, be uh, and we'll be back next week with, <laughs> with Jimbles. Um, Jimbles. until then we've kept it real. Kept it so. Hey everybody, welcome back to the IGN Movie.